Hello and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your Hey you guys, welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm really, really excited for today's episode. I interviewed Ashley Taylor at Ashley Taylor Wellness. She's someone I connected on Instagram a few months ago, and I just really, really, really resonate with the things that she talks about. She's a board-certified RN, and she is a traveling nurse. She's very big into the functional and holistic space, so it's cool because she can kind of bridge the gap from obviously treating patients in a conventional hospital setting to also being really in love with her hippie side, which I love it because she calls herself a high-maintenance hippie. And if you guys have been along with me and my journey for a long time, when I first got into chiropractic school and I was taking all my herbal classes and stuff for my master's, I just would show you guys what I was doing and I would call myself Hippie Haley. And so I immediately resonated with her. Um, And she's also really, really big on informed consent and medical freedom. You know, that's something that I'm very passionate about because even with nutrition and holistic and functional health, there's, there's never, ever one size fits all ever for no diet, for no lifestyle, for no pharmaceutical. There's, we are all very bio-individual and I just love that she speaks to medical freedom because what works for somebody and what fits for somebody might not do that for somebody else. And so I just really strongly resonate with what she talks about. And I just cannot wait to have her on the show. She's just incredibly well-spoken. She's very, very, and she's just so easy to have a conversation with. And I think that this conversation is really important because in a world where I feel like we are so divided, you are either anti or pro for pretty much anything. You know, she kind of sits uh, in the middle and says, you know, it's, we can have a conversation. And that's what I think is just most important is, especially on social media, it's just such a toxic place and people are hiding behind their computer screen or their cell phone and they feel like they can say whatever they want. And I just think that conversations like we had today are just gen- like incredibly, incredibly important, especially in today's age. We talked about obviously all things informed consent, you know, what medical freedom means, but we also talked about some fun things like coffee enemas because coffee enemas are her jam and they are something that's been hugely beneficial for me in my health journey. So we talked a little bit about that. And I know on last week's episode, we also talked about it and I was going to wait a little bit to release this episode, but just due to current events and where we're at, I just found this to be a very, very, very important topic for people to listen to. Hopefully it just resonates with you in one way or another. It just kind of helps maybe open your mind to some things that you've maybe never thought about or Maybe it just helps bring a light of way that we can talk about things in a respectful way because I just don't see much of that happening nowadays. People are very disrespectful and it just, we're a very hurt nation. And I will say, leaving with some positivity before I get into the episode, just always remember that hurt people hurt people. You always want to speak to people as if you were speaking to them in person. And would you really truly say these things that people might say online? I, I just think of, you know, you get on Facebook for a second and you see what grown adults are saying to each other. You, I open my social media DMs and someone sees something they don't agree with. And just the way that people talk to each other. I personally am a big fan of energy. 
I like to put out the energy that I wish to attract and I like to treat people with the energy that I also would like to receive. So I see a ton of things I disagree with on a daily consistent basis. I don't go out of my way to bash people. I don't go out of my way to ruin their day or to talk down on them. I, it's just not worth it. And so I do want to leave you with that before we get into the interview because it's really important on how we talk to people. We, we are the start of how we want our world to be. And it really does start with us. It starts with our actions, how we speak to one another. And I just think it's general. I think it's incredibly, incredibly important. And so I hope that you think it's important too. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview. I, I loved this conversation and I know that you will too. So enjoy. All right. I am joined by Ashley at Ashley Taylor Wellness. I am so happy to have her here with me today. Ashley, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to be here and chat all things medical freedom and informed consent, coffee enemas, all the things. Thank you so much for having me. These are my favorite things to discuss. I think that we need to have these conversations and learn to respect people who see things differently. So yeah, let's do it. Especially especially now more than ever. Um, Mm -hmm. I have been following you for, I don't know, maybe, maybe a few months, but I, when I had reached out and we had kind of connected on there and obviously all the stuff that you're posting, I just, it's things that the world needs to hear. And I was like, I need to get her on the podcast. So give us a background. I know, you know, if people don't know you're a nurse and, um, you know, but what, what kind of got you into this space that you find yourself in now? Well, let's see. I actually was very rebellious when I was growing up. I dropped out of high school. Um, I sought love in all the wrong places. I was a bit of a troublemaker, but then I knew that I wanted to become a nurse and I never let anyone's opinions about what was you know, possible for me hold me back. And I'm very grateful that I have that mindset. So I did become a nurse and I have been since 2013. I've always loved to fight for the underdog and I consider myself to be a really strong patient advocate. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your background is, what your beliefs are. I'm here to advocate for the patient. And so that feels very appropriate in the world we're living in today. I love that. I love it. It's so important. So how long have you been, you know, you're a traveling nurse, correct? Yes. Since 2016, I worked at a large hospital in the East coast for about two and a half years. And I always knew I wanted to leave the East coast. I always dreamed of going to California. So I had an opportunity and I traveled locally in the Los Angeles area for a few years until I had my own health crisis. And then I took a break from nursing. Ooh. Okay. Let's dive into that. What usually we all have like our own pain to purpose, right? Like what kind of brings us into this space of holistic health and wellness and what was, what was that experience for you? I always kind of knew that there was more out there, but I went along with what I learned in school because I considered it to be the best. I committed myself to that. Um, I did start dealing with a lot of burnout. I definitely had, you know, depression, inflammation, things like that, but I wasn't as sick as my patients. So I would always compare myself to them and think, well, who am I to complain about feeling depressed or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But after working nights for many years, it really took a toll on my health. I was prescribed Adderall and Klonopin, and I just kind of felt like I was going through the motions in life. Uh, shortly after I met my boyfriend, Otto, I started to get these rashes. Uh, they started on my abdomen, but within a few months, it was my entire body all around my mouth. My armpits were filled with fluid and just leaking every night. 
the itching was unbearable. Um, and I saw all these doctors through my insurance. No one had any answers. I was on, I believe, nine medications for itching and uh, all kinds of different things, but nothing helped. And I just remember feeling devastated. Like I'm a nurse. I'm supposed to know what's going on with my body, what's going on. But I learned that this was a message from my body. And through a series of really cool events, I found an integrative DO in Los Angeles. And she was the one who just really exposed me to a lot of different options. She told me she didn't want me working for a while to focus on my health. Um, and I had just really severe burnout. So I had to stop, reevaluate what I was doing. And I was exposed to a, a lot of different healing modalities that really worked for me. So now I've pivoted and I believe in the best of both worlds. You know, there's a time and a place for the conventional system, but what has helped me personally have the best quality of life was getting to the root and all of the options that the holistic world offered me. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think a lot of people can really resonate with this. I work with a lot of people who struggle with skin issues. I had a consult with someone today who has hives and Mm -hmm. she's like, none of these topicals are working. I just need to figure out the root cause. And so many of these different things have very similar root causes. So what did you find to be your particular root causes for the things that you were dealing with? Of of course, obviously addressing the burnout um, Mm -hmm. and you know, the night shift probably wasn't great for your circadian rhythm, but what are Mm -hmm. some things that you really dove through in your lifestyle and kind of swapped out and made changes for? So I never knew that people pooped every day until I became a nurse. Even in nursing school, they said, you know, it's not unusual if people don't go every day. So I never thought anything of it. Uh, but I later learned from genetic testing that I had MTHFR. I really don't sweat or I didn't sweat before and I didn't poop. So working on, you know, my elimination and detox pathways, that was really important. Um, changing the supplements I was taking, prioritizing rest. So I would do night shift and then go do spin class right after that. You know, I was in go, go, go survival mode, fight or flight, sympathetics, you know, nervous system dominance all the time. And my body didn't have the opportunity to heal. So a lot of it was MTHFR, chemical exposure. Since I wasn't eliminating properly, there was this chemical MTBE that was 6,000 times higher than it should be in, in the body. And they think that contributed a lot to my rashes and all of those things. But, um, my body just was very toxic and wasn't able to rid the things within it until I started to work on elimination again. I think that's so important what you just said. And I think so many people are probably sitting there being like, what is the MTHFR? Like, is that a bad word? And Mm -hmm. you know, if they don't, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in this space, it's, it's kind of, oh yeah, you've got the MTHFR or the COMT mutation and all these different things. But for the person listening to this, who might not know, it's a, it's a mutation or it's a gene that helps you methylate folate, um, or methyl has methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. So it kind of helps you absorb and process B9. Right. So, but I, that is a really big common issue for issues detoxing. You would not believe the amount of people who will, I'll talk to on DMS or maybe in a consult and they're like, I don't sweat ever. They're like, I don't poop every day. And I'm like, those are two of the biggest ways that we detox things. And so what are some ways that you started optimizing those drainage pathways that you had just mentioned? Because then you can kind of take these things that your genes are expressing, but turn them around 
in the sense of helping you heal and not have to experience the symptoms that you were experiencing? Well, one is coffee enemas. I didn't do them to remove poop, but I did do them to help support my liver, which that definitely helped with my mood. It helped with my energy levels. And the more that I was able to deal with my inflammation, which I did a lot of IV ozone for that. Did you do that at your integrative uh, DO's office? Okay, cool. Did that in LA. I've probably done 50 IV treatments at this point. I did two of these sessions. This was not FDA approved at the time. I, I don't even believe it still is, but I was so willing to try anything at that point. I mean, my quality of life was awful. And within two treatments, my hives were gone. Every time wow. I did it, my brain fog got better. My speech got more clear. It was easier for me to articulate my thoughts. And I noticed I had more energy and a better mood the day after. So let's say I did it at noon the next morning, I'd wake up feeling like a superstar. So it's another tool in my toolbox. But the the mistake I made was for a long time, I just did ozone without really focusing as much as I would have liked on, well, why am I so inflamed in the first place? Right. But it was a great right. tool while I was figuring that out. Cause it, it does take a while. It's not always a quick, easy answer as to what is contributing. It, it's multifactorial. Oh, of course. Of course. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes these it so fascinating, but also at the same time, understandably frustrating, you know, like when we're, when I'm trying to help somebody figure out their root cause, they want it to just be their hormones or just be, I know, yeah. you know, they're, but at the same time, it's typically never just one thing. Like issues are really, and then if you think about our conventional system, we have a specialist for this and we have a specialist for this and we've got, and they know they do not talk to each other. They don't, they, they work in their specific compartments, but that's not how our body works. Yes. It's definitely all connected. I see a lot of that, you know, uh, let's say for example, the cardiologist and the nephrologist are trying to balance meds for fluid overload or something like that. One medicine can be hard on the kidneys, but the thing is it's all connected. So I do really like an integrative approach. Like I said before, I do think there's a time and a place for both. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, when I, if I get in a car accident, like I'm not putting essential oils on that. I'm going to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm I'm not going to do a coffee enema to fix, you know, poison ivy, which maybe, maybe, maybe that could help. I don't know. No. But can we dive into coffee enemas? Because I just am so, and I know that you get this too. And, but I can't believe how, you know, when people are unaware of a therapy, it's just pseudoscience to them, right? Which, what does mm-hmm. that even mean? Um, but I have gotten so much backlash, at least when I was on TikTok, about coffee enemas. And so I don't go on that anymore for my mental health. <laughs> but I mean, coffee enemas are really great therapy that have been a, a really big staple in my life. Like you, I am not confirmed, but I'm pretty sure I had I have a snip with an MTHFR. My mom did. And so if she did, I definitely do. I don't know what to what extent. I've always had trouble detoxing. Until until probably within the last like two years. And so like that's a really big staple in my routine and it's been really helpful for me. And it's just it's so crazy to me how close minded people are about it. And you have a coffee enema course, which everybody should go take. I can link it in the show notes. But let's dive into coffee enemas a little bit. Like what introduced you to that? Was that that integrative doctor? And um, like what are what are some benefits and like how does it how does it really work? Okay. So before the integrative doctor in 2016, when I was driving from the East coast to California, I didn't know anybody, but I looked up a Chinese medicine doctor 
he did a hair mineral analysis for me and he had told me that my adrenals were struggling. I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't learn about that in nursing school. He told me about coffee enemas and blue blocker glasses and all these things. And I thought I was open-minded, but I was like, I don't know about this guy. Everything that he said within six to 12 months happened and affected my body. So I later went back kind of like with my tail between my legs. I'm like, all right, I'm willing to listen. And, and I now have compassion for people who are not quite seeing things or wanting or willing or ready to see things from where I am. Cause I was the same way, you know, you don't typically go outside of the box until you've exhausted every option in the box. But mm -hmm. I started to do coffee enemas. Um, and they were just a game changer for me. The goal of doing a coffee enema isn't to remove stool. It's about getting the coffee. It has to be caffeinated in to the liver. So it goes in through the colon, through the intestines, up to the portal vein, to the liver. And it's the palmitic acids are going to help create um, GST for glutathione production. And it is said that one coffee enema can increase GST by six to 700%. So that's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I would notice like I don't really drink a lot anymore, but if I drank and I did one, my hangover was gone. I used to have migraines. It's not even an issue for me. Um, I've passed many gallstones after a coffee enema. I have and, too. At yeah. First I was like, <laughs> what is this? And then you, I, I just didn't really even think anything of it. And I was like, this is weird. And then you had posted, cause people were giving, I know people were like, well, that doesn't, you can't pass gallstones. And you're like, really? And you posted a picture. I'm like, oh shit, I've passed those too. <laughs> I got some evidence for you. And that's the thing. We can pass gallstones in our stool. We often don't notice. Um, but I hate to see so many people getting their gallbladder cut out. If there was another way to pass stones, I'm not saying there is. It's just me thinking critically and saying, hey, are there other ways to address some of these issues? I've also passed some unidentified objects um, through the stool after a coffee enema. And I just feel like um, they've they've just helped me feel better. So I'm certainly not recommending them for everyone or telling other people they need to do them. But on my personal health journey, they've been such an amazing tool and uh, the mental benefits have been the, the best for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to actually dive through, there's a few questions that I got from the question backs that I put up. And so someone asked, you know, obviously what it is, the benefits. We talked about that. Apart from benefits for the liver, do you notice, so the energy and potential boost in energy that you can get, that's different than if someone were drinking a cup of coffee, right? Cause it's not. Absolutely. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, I used to drink a pot of coffee. I used to take Adderall, like those things were stimulants, right? When you, what goes up must come down and there was a crash for whatever reason. And I still don't understand really how this works, but when I do a coffee enema, you would think because it's rectal, you know, if you put a pill in rectally, it's going to hit you more quickly because it's not going through digestion. Right. Um, go straight to the bloodstream. But for whatever reason, when I do a coffee enema, I don't have anxiety. I can do it right before bed and go to sleep. And it doesn't cause me to have a jacked up feeling. It's just more energy in, from the sense of clarity rather than uh, fake energy. Yeah. Or yeah, stimulant yeah. Not that, energy. Not that yeah. crash that you could get from a stimulant. It's more... Yeah. Clarity is a good word. Cause sometimes if I have a really busy day of consults and I know I've got a gap in between calls, I'll do one. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. It's like, you've got that, that clarity back. And I don't know if it's just because it's 10 to 15 minutes of me being interrupted or uninterrupted. I'm able to meditate and kind of reset. 
but also, like you said, you can pass some, some fun things through there. And I'm sure the body feels a lot less burden when it's passing things that don't want to be in the body anymore. Well, this is what kind of tripped me out. So I would put in the three cups of coffee, right? And then no one told me about this. So the first time that I did one, the coffee goes in and then all the solid stuff comes out. I'm like, where did that come from? I thought that I, I thought I got everything out that needed to. And once again, the goal isn't to remove poop, but it's also not ideal it, for me to have that sitting there. So I felt much lighter and cleaned out and it was just all around a great experience. And so my Chinese medicine doctor wanted me to do two a day for two years. I thought he was nuts, um, but I did it and it really did change my life. I still do them for maintenance more. So if I'm parasite cleansing, I've shared that I took ivermectin prescribed from my doctor and more coffee enemas helped with die off symptoms and things like that. So yeah. yeah, I, Those can be a good combo because, and especially because, I mean, I know that they're not meant to help with, you know, moving stool, but sometimes with parasite cleansing, you can feel more constipated. Yeah. So it, it's detox and elimination. So it's not just, uh, cause if you don't have your, I'm sure you know this, but if you don't have your elimination pathways open and you try to detox, mm-hmm. what's going to happen, especially if you have leaky gut, which was another thing I needed to address or increased intestinal permeability, because I know leaky gut, that phrase, a lot of people don't like, but you know, I would detox and then get rashes as I healed my gut and would do the same things. It didn't happen. And I was able to eliminate. So the body's always communicating to us. That's another thing that this more integrative holistic approach has showed me that these symptoms, while they are quite a nuisance, they're our body trying to tell us something. And it's fine. Like I'm not against medicine. I took Benadryl. I took all the stuff that I could to help me feel relief, but I needed to ask why was I having that symptom in the first place? Because that's where the information is that will help you get to the root cause. You silence one message, will your body show it to you in a different way? And you're just chasing symptoms all day. And then it's just exhausting. Yeah. You can't, you can't keep up with it. But when we, when we stop masking the symptoms and understanding, okay, why do I have these symptoms? What, what is the root, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think a big part of root causes one is the gut, whether you know, it's intestinal permeability, you know, caused by God variety of different things, or it's sluggish detox pathways. I mean, those are two huge common root causes for pretty much every single thing. I mean, all the way up from cancer to small things like acne and hormonal imbalance. Yep. And even as a teenager, I took Accutane. I had severe cystic acne. I remember asking my dermatologist at the time, do you think cheese or chocolate or any of those things could be affecting it? And she said, no, it has no effect. And so I, I mean, I didn't want it to, I loved cheese. I still love cheese. I think it's delicious, but I was like, all right, cool. I'll take the Accutane. It cleared up my skin. I didn't have to worry about it. What? And then interestingly enough, I stopped pooping after that time in my life. So I'm not Mm. sure if it's related. I'm not saying that it is, but that medicine is linked to a lot of IBS symptoms and things like that. I've even seen Accutane, you know, well, so a lot of different things, your acne very well could have been caused by your sluggish detox and maybe some gut stuff. But then I find in my practice that Accutane then, you know, it might make it better in the short term, but we're not told about the long-term effects that it can have on our gut. And then sometimes the acne can rebound and sometimes it's even worse than it was before. And some, and not all, some, in not all cases, but like, it's not fixing you know, the root cause. Did you find that to be 
the case for you or were you able to manage it better? I, I don't think I ever had any issues with it again. I mean, it worked really well for me. I remember my lips were dry when I took it. I also remember there was a picture of a baby with like a misshapen head on each pill that you would pop out of this like blister pack. Oh my God. So you can't get pregnant when you're on that drug. I had to do pregnancy tests. I mean, it's serious. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have that option. I just was told that it was my only option. And so I wonder, had I addressed some gut issues and changed my diet and lifestyle long enough, would I have still needed that medication? That's just the question that I would like to ask. But I did learn about the side effects from that drug. And sometimes, you know, medicine's great, but it can also have collateral damage or really severe side effects, and then you just need another. So time Mm -hmm. and a place for medicine. I just wish I could have looked at other things that could have been contributing to that. Now I know if I eat dairy, especially if it's poor quality, I'm going to break out in a really juicy pimple. It's gross. So yeah, pretty cool to see that now. I, well, and you know, your body, you know, you know, you can weigh the risks and the benefits. Okay. Do I want to eat this? Even though I know that it causes this, is it worth it? Yes or no. You can make that informed choice. And so that's also something that I love that you talk about is informed consent. And so let's, Mm -hmm. Let's dive, let's dive into that because that's something that I think is missing in so many facets, right? So I see it missing in so many facets of birth control. I mean, for myself and my own mm-hmm. experience, I was not told the deficiencies that it caused. I was not told that I could have hormone issues in the future. I was not told that it's going to impact my gut. You know, I was not told really anything other than this is going to be the cure-all for your acne. And of course, as a 20-year-old with a boyfriend who doesn't want to have pimples all over her face. Sure. Give me whatever I need to not do that. But I I see informed consent missing in so many aspects. And it's even important in the holistic sense. Before I treat anybody, I always say, is this, this, how does this sound to you? You know, these are the risks. These are the benefits. These are alternatives that we can do to treatment. And I just think that that's important in so many different reasons for so many reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I consider myself number one to be a patient advocate. Uh, I will always be a patient advocate. I, you know, I'm a nurse, but I will always be someone who's going to support the choices of others. And I believe informed consent is part of my duty as a nurse. So I'm going to tell you why it's beneficial, potential risks, and ultimately it's your decision. It's not to scare someone out of something. Um, I don't think that we give the information that, for example, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word, but for the things that they want everyone to get, the you know what's, <laughs> right? Um, I witnessed Gillian Beret as a nurse. I never knew that could happen to someone. This person was in nursing school, got their very first uh, flu, you know what, and yep. then was in a wheelchair and I'm the nurse taking care of this patient and I couldn't believe it. I just was like, I... I'd rather take my chances with the flu. Now, I'm not against the the shot or anything like that, but I just never knew that that was a risk. Right. It's a small risk. It's just something that kind of opened my eyes to, oh, are these safe for everyone all the time? Do they always work? Are there other tools that we can use to support our bodies? Are there things maybe we shouldn't do? Like, let's say, um, you know, you are giving them to children, right? And it's mm-hmm. the one for MMR and you give them Tylenol right after. Could that cause mm-hmm. issues? Just little things that I just feel like we need more education. I would never tell someone what they need to do or not, or they shouldn't do. I would just say, um, here's all the information. What's going to be the right choice for you? Or what questions do you have? Right. Because everybody is so different and we all 
I mean, we should know this. I right? no diet is perfect for every single person. No supplement is perfect for every single person. And we have to treat the same way, whether it's natural or pharmaceutical based or conventional uses. Like there's no one size fits all for anything. Even and coffee enemas, right? Even like enemas. I'm diehard. I, somebody actually commented today on Instagram. They said, what if we just mandated coffee enemas for all? Wouldn't that be a great world? I don't believe we should mandate anything. It should be your choice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. That's mm-hmm. so true. Do you see in the hospital setting, do you see lack of informed consent? And if, if so, do you make it a priority for the patients that you work with to give them the, the risks and benefits to everything that you offer? So every time that I do a med pass, uh, I haven't, I don't really give, you know, what's in the hospital unless it's flu season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if people ask for it, I'm, you know, happy to give it to them. No problem. But for medications, absolutely. Uh, surgery, same thing. Um, what the medication's for, ideally how it will help them. And then signs to look out for. We are supposed to educate patients on the risks of medications, and that's not controversial in the hospital right. setting at all. Right. We're actually audited on doing that. So that's great. But when it comes to this other intervention, I don't see, we just say this is going to help you, but I don't really see the other side of potential risk other than you could have soreness at the injection site, mm. you know, yeah. which which is true, but could other things happen? What, what to look for, uh, how to report something. We don't talk about that. We're not taught any of that in, in, um, school that I recall. And I don't see that in practice. Uh, there's a lot of controversy about VAERS and things like that. So I'm just here to say, if you want it, great. If not, it's your choice to make. And I don't feel guilty. You know, I'm very outspoken on social media about that, Mm -hmm. but, um, I'm not telling people not to get it. And I think that's where nurses or other people get in trouble. Um, right. Just because I wouldn't choose something, it's not my right to decide for someone else either way. And a lot of people with similar beliefs do feel they're doing what I see the other side doing, which is mm-hmm. you have to do it my way. Well, that's where they lose me. And I think that's why we're in such that's why we're in such a predicament because there's two sides, whereas I totally agree with you, it's not my choice to see, to say what you should do or shouldn't do. You, you have to make that choice for you. What's right for you. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make that choice for even people that I work with. They say, should I get it? I, I can't, I can't make that decision for you. I can help maybe point you in the directions of learning, you know, some risks and benefits and weighing the options for you. But like, that's not, that's not my choice. And I think that's, I wish that so much more people were, were here where we are because, I think there would be a lot less, I think there should be more open discussion and more nuance about just being, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Just being approachable about the situation instead of completely one side or the other. I don't think no, nothing is ever accomplished on, you know, being so divided in this way. I just think, yeah, I agree. And I think we need to take the judgment and the ego out of medicine, right? And have compassion. Uh, For example, I have taken care of alcoholics before, someone who drank a liter of vodka a day. Not a healthy choice. I'm pretty sure they know that. Uh, We want to educate them on why it's not healthy. But shame doesn't – it might wake somebody up, but it's not going to get them to make lasting change. We we change because we believe in ourselves and we're ready to create something better. But shame might get us to start a diet or something. But when we believe we're just a terrible person, we're not going to be empowered enough 
usually to follow through with things. So I'm not here to judge anybody for their choices. I want to get curious about, well, what factors led to somebody, you know, choosing a leader a day? Are they just having fun? Is it an emotional problem? You know, is this a coping tool? Yeah. Like what are the true root causes for that addiction? And you can put someone in rehab and take the alcohol away, but the reason why they're drinking is still there. And if we don't address that once again at the root, it's going to be an ongoing issue. And then they just think, oh, I'm broken. I'm just, uh, I have an alcohol problem. And alcohol is a problem, but it's also a solution to a deeper problem for many people. And that's the shift. These people know they're not supposed to be doing it, but there's a reason why they are. And more shame is only probably, is I think only going to make someone who's drinking as a coping tool drink more because then they feel like, what's the point? I'm, I'm already you know, I've already messed this up. It's too late, whatever. So we need to be their cheerleaders, their advocates, not tell people what they want to hear, but be honest, loving, and non-judgmental. Love that. I love that. Someone had asked a really good question, um, kind of stemming to what we were talking about before in terms of informed consent on especially things that are going on now. Um, Amber asked, where do you find your information that mainstream media won't talk about? Like, how are you learning about these things? Obviously with you being a nurse and you having like such a scientific background, like we can dive through the literature, but what, where do you suggest these, you know, the standard American find information that, that might not be informed consent on mainstream media? Okay. That's a really good question. I am open to all perspectives. I listen to what the agencies say, I listen to what the CDC says. I listen to what the WHO says. I also listen to real people because Mm -hmm. that's where I have learned so much about, not just in a textbook because we're all humans, we're all different. So I'm willing to uh, expose myself to all kinds of information and then discern for myself and then make the decision that's, that's right for me. And that's why I'm not going to be able to make that decision for somebody else. Um, but there's a lot of information from these organizations that isn't on the news that will also point out that you don't have to do something. For example, FDA.gov. If you read the inserts, and I have this on one of my Instagram posts, uh, well, it's not really an insert because they don't have those yet, but it's a pamphlet, an information pamphlet about these new, you know what? It says that it's your choice in there, okay? Uh, the U.S. code I believe it's what, 21 U.S. Code 3 BBB. It says that it's if it's under EUA, they can't mandate it. So there's a lot of conflicting information from people that are saying they trust the science. And it's just really confusing to know who to trust, you know? It is. I know. Yeah. And well, and the crazy thing about science is there's a lot that we don't know still, and right. it changes all the time. Remember when science said that fat was bad? Remember when science said that DDT was okay and that cigarettes were okay? Yep. Doctors love camels, right? There were all these things that we accepted. I mean, even until I think the nineties, you could smoke cigarettes in hospitals. So the science is always changing. It's always evolving. For some reason, we're not allowed to ask questions. We think that it's one size fits all. That's never been the case, but suddenly it must be. And that's where, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit stepping back from that because I don't know what's better for somebody else. As far as who to trust, I think that's also a personal decision, but I would be open to real people's stories, looking at trends. I certainly don't trust the news media. I absolutely don't, don't. but there's a lot of good information from the CDC. If you're willing to actually read it and, and dig through it yourself, rather than just the mainstream media's interpretation of that, which I believe is to keep us in a state of fear and to divide us. Both sides want health. 
right? Whether you're pro or anti, and I don't consider myself to be either of those. I'm for you doing what's right for you. And I respect your decision. I'm for autonomy. Uh, but I'm not going to say who to trust, but I certainly don't trust the media's version of that. I do think it's, um, a little dramatic and I think it's fear-based. So this illness is real. A lot of people say that it isn't. I've personally taken care of people who have dealt with it, but I do think it affects people differently. We know that this, you know what, doesn't work for everybody all of the time. And so I'm I'm certainly not going to tell someone to get it or not, but I will say, are there other ways that you can support your body? And if so, what are they? And how do we do everything we can to give ourselves a fighting chance? And if that's unreasonable, I'm not sure why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just can't get over how well-spoken you are. Like you, you make this conversation so easy to listen to and whether people are listening to this on either side, like you should be listening to Ashley being like, wow, this is such a nuanced perspective. This is not people on social media on a, or on a Facebook thread bashing each other and calling each other names and being witty and disrespectful. Like this is, these are the types of questions that I think that we should be asking and for, for good reason. Um, so I just, I so appreciate your approach and I know that you have tons of people who agree with that and, you know, but I know that you also experience backlash and that's just, I guess the name of the game when you're talking about things that, that kind of go against the green. But again, in a way, I think you, you do it in such a way that it's, I don't understand how people are so triggered by these things, but they are, but that's a great tip to look at the uh, CDC and like, I've, I've definitely seen quite a few good things from there. And if you tease just below the headlines, there's actually a lot of stuff within there. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing we are taught to outsource our power. We outsource our information to the media. We outsource our health to our doctor and I am pro doctor. Love them. I just want to have doctors that are my partner that empower me. They give me options, you know? So we want, we want the people to be thinking for themselves. I don't need you to think like me. I just need you thinking. I just need you asking questions. I'm cool with you deciding whatever, but can you be more involved in your care? I think coming and when I talk about the hospital, I'm not trying to take it down. I'm trying to make it better. I'm trying to look at, well, what are the issues that we have so that we can improve them, you know? And a lot, I I do criticize a lot of the things we're doing with the intention of improving it, but doctors can't, they're not bad people. These are people that are doing the best that they can with what tools are given to them in school. I think there's a lot more out there. Some doctors choose to go learn those things, but it's not your doctor's job to make you healthy. It's your doctor's job to inform you, educate you, and you have to take an active role in your healing too. It doesn't just fall on them. And in some ways it allows us to be not, yeah, not taking that personal responsibility for ourselves and we can blame someone else. I used to very much be the victim And it felt really good to have my feelings validated and my pain was totally real. My experiences were valid, but I was going to be stuck in that loop until I choose to be the victor and say, how can I take responsibility for myself and my quality of life and health and everything has just taken off from there. But I didn't want to admit that I wasn't doing as much as I could. And it doesn't mean, you know, working yourself to death or doing all these workouts or crazy things. It just means being open-minded, willing to ask questions and say, what's my role? How can I do better? And give yourself grace to unlearn and relearn. You know, you didn't become who you are or your health didn't get to where it is today overnight. It's a series of, you know, decisions that are cumulative. And I think that if we can take an active role 
start educating ourselves, have doctors that are supportive and give us options. It feels so good to take responsibility for our health. I can't imagine how much fear people live in, you know, always thinking that, well, if my neighbor doesn't do something like it's going to affect me rather than I, I believe personally that I am responsible for my health and what happens to me. And that feels really good to, to have that responsibility. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, that's something that, especially this year, we have been told that other people's, if we do our part, it will protect your neighbor or your grandma or whatever. And I, you know, I, I also firmly believe the healthier that I am, the more that I can protect other people. Cause we know from science, the healthier that you are, the less viral load that you carry, mm-hmm. you know, you're less able to spread things. I mean, and that's whatever, that's whatever this is or whatever the next thing will be. Right. Like we just, that is science that is actually proven. So that's why I agree and show that the better that we take care of ourselves, the better that we can take some personal responsibility, which for some might be a, a new thing, but new things are always fun and exciting and important to try. But the, the compounding effect that that can have, and imagine the different place that we could be in if that was the narrative all along. Oh, it would be amazing. And that's the thing. When you work on improving your resiliency and your health and your lifestyle and the foundation, you're going to be, uh, your body's going to have a better chance at fighting all illnesses, not just one, not just one. And that's the thing. Like, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I had a cold or a flu. And I, you know, for me, it was more inflammation and things like that. But when you take care of your body, it's going to be stronger and better at fighting infections. Not just, not just the one that we're thinking about right now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for everything. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, I think of all of the people, I mean, look at what fear and stress does to your immune system. Like alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? We think of all of these things. And I mean, for all these people who I, I remember being at the farmer's market last year and overhearing someone, she's like, I haven't hugged my kids in six months. I'm like, oh my God, what ramifications are going to come from this? The lack of community, living in fear, being in chronic stress, getting home from work or getting, going downstairs and turning on the TV and just diving into all of this fear narrative instead of actually really understanding what's going on. And I totally agree. I mean, this is real and there's going to be more real ones in the future. Like this is not the last of crazy, I don't even want to say virus, but like crazy just infections or whatever that can go on. Like there will always be something, right? Things are always mutating. That's the way that these things work. Like viruses, they don't want to, they're so smart. They don't want to kill their host. They want to be able to just think of the common code cold. It's like the most perfect virus. It's weak, but it's able to spread quickly. That's all it wants to do is, and it wants to stay in your system for as long as possible. So when we think of these things, I'm not taking away that people have passed away because, and that's horrible. And people pass away from everything. People pass away from cancer. People would pass away from heart disease. There will always, unfortunately be these things, but eventually they work their way through their population. And then we get to a point, like you said, like the common flu, like we don't shut down and close and mandate for the common flu. Right. No, we don't. And, um, I do think, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. That's okay. I guess let me ask what, so I had some questions on when I put up the question box for you, you know, 
about these mandates. And obviously I know that you are not pro mandate by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, how do we navigate this? And I know people are every day they're thinking of, Oh my God, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to get fired? Like, you know, we, we should never be forced into something that we don't voluntarily want, you know? And so, yeah. Okay. So I remembered what I was going to say, which is stress really impacts us. And listen, we're focusing on the physical realm in medicine. We look a lot at the physical body, but we have an emotional body. You know, we have our mental health and we really don't pay attention to that. We know stress isn't good, right? Any cardiologist will tell you if you have a heart issue, work on your stress, eat a healthy diet, but we don't really go into detail about those things. And one pattern I noticed is, you know, I, I look at the chart, of course, but I always want to talk to the person and hear their story. And I noticed that a lot of people, like, let's say it's August and they get sick every August. And I said, did something happen in August in your life? Oh, it's the anniversary of when my son died. And I just think it's so fascinating and I'm not claiming it. It is a certain way. I'm just observing, um, do emotional events that are unresolved show up and affect us physically. And that's just another component to look at. So going back to your question, the stress of mandates and things like that, I believe it's taking a toll on people. I know that isolation is taking a toll on people. I've spoken and been the nurse for, spoken to and been the nurse for people in the hospital who've been isolated for weeks. You start to forget why, what you're fighting for. You're so disconnected from people. It really starts to break a person down. So as far as mandates, I do think that a lot of people are living in a state of fear. I totally understand that fear, but it's still negatively affecting our health, definitely our relationships. And this is a very divisive issue, I think. And I'm just here to say that I support people getting it. I support people not getting it. I'll never force anyone into it. Uh, I do not support mandates, but I do support this intervention if it's right for you. But mandates, no. And that's something where that's the real issue, the passport, the mandate, and I know nurses that I work with and that I just know in general through social media that have gotten this new intervention, this new, you know what, and they don't believe in mandates. And that makes me so happy to hear because they understand that it does have risks and God forbid something does happen to you. Is the manufacturer liable? No. So who's liable then? Who's paying for that? Is it coming from our tax dollars? You know, so it's just, if they're not responsible, if anything bad happens, I don't believe that it should be mandatory. Even if they are responsible, I don't think it should, but it's not helpful that it's not FDA approved. It's not helpful that, um, if something goes wrong, there's not really much that can be done about it. That's on you. And I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I, I agree with everything. Like, I don't think that coffee enema should be mandatory. Nothing, I do think no. we should sometime should should not even mandate, but just recommend some type of like healthy lifestyle in people's movement or people's lifestyle, right? Like that would be such a different narrative, right? And I think, but it's more of like a recommendation, you know, instead of you do this or this. And if you you look at our, oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. If you look at our society and the programming that we have, I'm definitely guilty of this. Growing up, I valued money, you know, in the society that we live in. And I really didn't value things that were free. I always wanted the the latest purse or, you know, the best clothes or whatever. So I didn't really value things like sunshine, grounding, sleep, relationships, Mm. hugs, because they didn't cost anything. 
you know, and oh, if they really work, then we'd all be healthy. I just, I really wrote those things off. You have to do them consistently enough because, you know, in the medical system, we take a pill, we feel better in 30 minutes, which is great. There's a time and a place for that, but it makes us a little impatient with some of these lifestyle changes. Yes. We all, I mean, everything is quick. You can Mm -hmm. order something on Amazon and have it in two days and you can get Grubhub and you don't have to leave your house and you have your food in 30 minutes. I mean, we want things quick. We don't... (laughs) I mean, with anything, like if I'm helping someone get their period back and I'm working with them for a month and they don't get their period back, they're like, well, this isn't working. I'm like, you haven't had your period in three years. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And that is important for people to remember that Chinese medicine doctor, he said, it's going to take one to two years. And I, like I said, I thought of myself as being so open-minded. I left his practice and I didn't come back for a year because I'm like, no, I'm not doing this for one to two years. He's lost his mind. So I had to hit that wall before I'm like, all right, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. So we didn't get to where we are overnight and it's going to take time. And I think that's a mistake we make. We get rid of foods and we're like, well, I don't notice a difference. But if you only did it for two or three days, that that's probably not going to be enough time. I've heard it can take up to a year. I don't know if you have info on this, but up to a year for your microbiome to change after making dietary changes. So mm-hmm. that's a long, that's a long time. And we might give up before then because we're impatient or also just related to health and not related to health, our mindset. We talk ourselves out of things, whether it's a business or anything, because it hasn't happened by the time we think it's supposed to. And I think perhaps we just need to learn to be a little more patient and consistent. I totally agree. And I think that's something we all could practice a little bit more of, but you're like you said, those free and easy things. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when I'm working with people, they're not being consistent with the free and easy things like the grounding and eating whole foods that come from the earth or come from an animal or getting out in sunshine frequently or sweating or walking or, you know, whatever, whatever those free and easy things are, we do them here and there. We're not super consistent with them. I get outside once in a while, or I put my phone, you know, I give a phone curfew like twice a week, you know, certain things. And I think the more consistent that we are with everything, the more that we will see results. And I think that's kind of where that shift comes from, like the Western, I want it quick and easy and I want it now versus like, I'm willing to put in the work, you know, to have these lasting benefits. I think that's a something we just kind of have to think about in our mind and kind of realize and then be able to fully commit to it. Cause I know that you live that. I know that I live that. And I mean, I can, speak to the benefits of those. And I think that that's honestly a lot of the free and easy stuff is what, what does keep me super resilient and what has honestly given so much to my health. I love all the fun stuff like the infrared saunas and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, but it's really does boil down to those simple free and easy concepts. Yes. Those are the foundation. And I mean, if you're not sleeping properly, good luck trying to heal your body. If you're always stressed, your body's going to be in survival mode, not healing mode, right? It's not going to, it's going to be in the sympathetic state. So all of that's really important. And a few years ago, when I was driving to California, I listened to this podcast. Uh, Pedram Shojai was the host. It was called The Health Bridge. And I've always been very, I mean, I'm, I was very superficial. Like I said, I liked all the nicest things. I wanted to look a certain way. And he started talking about beauty. And I call myself a high maintenance hippie. I love that. And so, yeah, that's, it's once again about freedom of choice. I don't have to wear rope shoes and look a certain way to be a hippie. I can live in harmony with nature. But that's what his podcast episode really taught me. Like 
We want to be beautiful. So we put makeup on our face and no one's taking that away from you. You can wear all the makeup you want, but why are we wearing the makeup? And I was like, hmm, that's a good point. I'll think about that. And so if you put blush on, it's you have rosy cheeks. Oh, that has good. That means you have good circulation or you have long hair. You might be more fertile. And I started to really think about health and beauty being related. You know, you can put it on your skin or it can come from within. You can have that radiant glow. And I decorated my shell, which is what I call my body. It's all that it is. You know, um, I decorated my shell, but true radiant beauty, I now believe comes from within. It comes from the eyes. You can have a pretty outer shell, but have dead eyes. And I think a lot of people are just so focused on the external, but when you can work from the outside in and the inside out, oh, it's the best of both worlds. And that's why I call myself a high maintenance hippie. You know, like I get hair extensions. I do choose Botox. I do think it has risks. I don't think it's totally without them and I'll have to deal with those consequences, but I do what I can. The pros outweigh the cons for the Botox at this time in my life. And I might change my mind on that. Um, but that's working from the outside in and then from the inside out, my diet, my sleep, my stress levels. Am I having enough fun? When I have mm -hmm. fun in my life, like I have this this fun, sexy energy, and it makes me look better. And when I feel good, I choose better. And it just, it's a ripple effect. So you can go in an upward spiral or a downward spiral. Um, and I think that's another way to think about it. That's perfect. And it's so true because I, I, I truly do think that beauty comes from the inside and just health in general comes from the inside. And if we think about it, like evolutionarily wise, right? So mm -hmm. if you have more radiant skin, you're showing signs of, oh, that's, there's proper nutrition and, you know, all the, there's so many of the different kind of attributes that we find appealing. There's always like a deeper reason for why we find those attractive. Like you yeah. said, the blush, the circulation, and it, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. It's so, so interesting. But, or, um, yeah. Or like uh, dark circles under the mm -hmm. eyes. I didn't think about that being related to kidneys or, um, interestingly enough in between my eyebrows, I, that's where I first started getting Botox when I was 18 and I did have very severe wrinkles. However, I didn't really understand at the time about, you know, facial mapping and things like that. That represents the liver. Mm -hmm. Oh, so are there other ways to support my liver? If I address certain things, will I actually improve my wrinkles and things like that? So that's, a fun motivating factor for me. If I take care of my health, not only do I feel better, but I look better. And that's, that's a motivating factor for sure. <laughs> well, it's a huge motivating factor, yes. huge motivating factor. Well, yeah. this was so, I so enjoyed this conversation. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media because they need to go follow you because you have the best content and I love and look forward to watching your stories every single day. Well, thank you. I so appreciate that. So I'm on Instagram, Ashley Taylor Wellness. I also am on TikTok and Telegram, all three of those. And, you know, I'm not here to tell anyone what's right for them. I just want to present options. If it's not for you, that is totally cool. I'll support you in whatever you decide is right for you. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And I think that if we all came to the, to discuss things with that mindset, I think we would get a lot more accomplished on both I sides. So too. Yes. And I think we will get there. I think that sometimes we don't realize how we are a little manipulated to be on one side or the other, but I, if I'm going to influence anybody to do anything, it's not to think like me, it's to be respectful of those that are different. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, yeah, that's all I want. And I tell people that all the time, like, I don't want you to take what I say verbatim. I want you to take what I say to spark your interest, to dig into it and learn a little bit more about it and see if it fits your lifestyle. Because just because something works for me, doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. 
but maybe it'll spark you to look into things. And I think it's the same thing with any, any aspect of health, any and all. I think that, um, I think that it's incredibly important and you are hopefully coming out with a podcast soon as well, right? Yes. I'm just trying to think of a name and make sure that I'm not burning myself out and, you know, have, uh, allocated my time properly, but yes, I just want to have conversations with people, doctors and, just regular people. Like what was your story? Stories I think are going to change the world and help us to have that human aspect that we're missing. You know, there, there might be reasons why people may or may not choose certain things that we don't understand. And so I just want to share these stories and different perspectives and give people a place to share and see if that helps to inspire people to look at things a little differently. Oh, I love that. I think the story idea is really great because just working with, um, patients and clients in practice, I've heard, so many different stories and reasons for, you know, why they're at, why, and why they maybe think why they think. And, you know, I'm never going to sit here behind, you know, a, a zoom screen or in front of a patient and be like, that's not true. I always am fascinated by what they tell me and just meet them where they're at and just mm-hmm. appreciate the, their open and honesty and try to help and support them on their journey. And I think that if we can all be, have that little compassionate side and openness, willing to listen, I think we really could make some significant changes in our health. I think so too. And we're doing it. There's so many people who are realizing that, I mean, this is the hill I will die on. This is the most important issue to me, uh, medical freedom and respect for others. And I see so many who are also willing to do that. And I do have faith that that it's possible for us to get there. So we just have to not get too frustrated with people that aren't willing to see things yet. You know people wake up when they're ready. It's not my job to convince them. It's just love people. And they know that I'm here if they're ever wanting to think about things a little differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know that your days off are sacred. (laughs) So (laughs) I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Do a coffee enema if you haven't already. And um, I'm just so thankful to have connected with you and to have this conversation. It's so important. Thank you. I look forward to sharing the episode. Thanks for everyone who listened. I really appreciate your time as well and just hearing my journey so far. So thanks again. Of course.